Hey, what's up, guys? This is Rico from the Media China Podcast, and ho, 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 happy holidays. It's uh, I'm recording this intro Friday, uh, December 22nd. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I might sound super chipper, but I'm, I'm going to be, like, working on Christmas. This is Christmas in China. It's more, if you thought Christmas was commercial in the West, China's, like, got it on, like, on lock, like... There's just a lot of Christmas decorations around and Christmas specials and other, but it's not a holiday. It's just they're just maximizing profits, which is fine. But yeah, like uh, I don't, I semi celebrate Christmas. It's gonna, I'm gonna, my staff will have the day off, but I'll probably, uh, I'll probably come to the office and maybe go for dinner afterwards. Anyways, enough about me. I originally recorded this intro when I was coming live from Dubai, but that was a while ago, and then I wanted to record a Christmas-related uh, intro. Um, yeah, so in this episode, I interviewed Matthew Brennan. I met him at the Cross-Border Summit uh, in April of this year, and he's one of the few guys that I've met in China or that I know of in China who's been able to crack into Chinese marketing, you know, uh, let alone selling to Chinese people like it's it's a very very difficult thing it's a very murky territory that a lot of foreign companies are trying to figure out and you know at the end of the day you have to be here you have to kind of have you have to get Chinese partners you have to really learn the the, the way it works and and you know Matthew's been successful with that specifically with WeChat marketing and and he's going into other other interests as well um, and you know I think this is a very very informative podcast episode i learned a lot from it you know matthew's a fascinating guy he's had an interesting life he's been in china for a long time you know uh, he's one of those guys that I, I i've met in china who's you know like similar to michael michelini who i've had on the podcast before who's like he's here he's married he's not going anywhere like he, <laughs> you know you come here to china with uh, just like a rough idea of what you're gonna do and then you end up you know eight ten years later still being here so yeah, uh, without further ado, enjoy the podcast episode. Actually, wait, wait, one more thing. Uh, if you haven't come across our YouTube channel yet, go check it out right now. All you have to do is type in Source Find Asia on YouTube. I also have a link in the show notes. I think at this stage, definitely five days in Nantong documentary is out, but like a day in the live video day one should be out as well. And that's going to be really, really, I think it's going to be fun for you guys, man. See how I roll. I recorded it earlier this year, so it's I'm in a different office now, but uh, the routine is pretty much still the same. So I think you guys will enjoy it, see a different side. Like, you actually get to see the stuff that I talk about on the podcast. Um, yeah, and I would love it if you guys could watch that, share it, let me know what you think. And yeah, enjoy the episode. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. So, Matthew, when you meet someone that doesn't know you at a social function, like a cocktail party, for example, uh, how do you answer the question, what do you do? I answer it by saying I do WeChat. <laughs> no, I I do in one word. Um, but, um, 
what do I do? Um, I help essentially foreign businesses understand what the hell to do on WeChat and what the hell to do with Chinese internet. Um, foreign businesses, foreign media, mm-hmm. foreign um, investors. Um, yeah, it's a complicated place, China, uh, especially in the tech industry. And uh, what we focus on is mainly WeChat, mainly uh, Tencent. And uh, we hopefully provide some clarity to people uh, in various different ways about you know what's going on, and and, and uh, so they can have some insight there. Awesome. So we'll jump into that a little bit later. But I wanted to start at the beginning, like why China? You know, why not Silicon Valley? Why not uh, New York or Hong Kong? Why why mainland? Um, I came here a long time ago. I came here 13 years ago, and um, that was straight out of university just to come for a year and teach English and go back to the city because I'm from London and I uh, did a degree in economics. So obviously uh, I would be going to work somewhere in the city, um, but that never happened. Uh, we stayed, uh, I was with a friend, uh, we came over and um, we stayed to learn Chinese and then um, I stayed to um, open a business with, with a couple of friends and franchise a, a school chain and, and we were up in the, uh, in Mongolia doing that for a couple of years. Um, that was that was quite interesting times. That was about the time of the uh, Beijing Olympics and um, and then we later sold those schools. I later moved into um, brand management and then uh, research and development for the same organization. Uh, and uh, then I was so I was in Dalian, and then I was in in Chongqing for about five years, running a team there doing development, and uh, and that's a lot of that was online building online products, um, educational products, and um, so uh, I, was, I was running a team essentially making lots and lots of content, illustrators and and, and uh, designers and uh, and writers and things like that. And uh, we started using WeChat, and uh, I got more and more into it. And we, one day, I went to a startup weekend, and and we we did quite well. And, and before I knew it, I was, you know, this is what I want to do, and and here I am doing it now. So, uh, a long journey, definitely. But uh, um, <laughs> you know, China's like that. I think um, you always meet people who, uh, you know, uh, when people come here, it kind of grabs hold of you, and then you you can't you can't leave, and also you end up doing. St- stuff you never imagined you, you would be doing yeah that's a familiar story like i think about myself when i first got here and i was like oh i'm just gonna be here for two to three years and i'll start something and then i'll leave and then now it's like it's three almost three years later and i'm talking about being here for another five years or something like that like it just it happens to a lot of people like i had michelini on the podcast it was a similar situation yeah um where are you located now um, so I've got a daughter and a wife, and, and they're based in Chengdu. That's where I am today, working mm-hmm. from my home office in Chengdu. And then um, the team that we're setting up is uh, in Shenzhen, actually, quite close uh, in the in the Gaoxingqiu, the high tech area there, um, very close to uh, Tencent headquarters. So um, yeah, I spend a lot of time between those two places, and uh, I, mm-hmm. apart from that, um, I also spend I'm regularly in in Shanghai as well, um, and uh, I'm traveling around the world now because I do a lot of um, speaking and training about WeChat, um, and so that's increasingly taking me abroad, 
Uh, and for us, I think that's the future where, where we're focused now is, is, is being this bridge between China and the rest of the world, um, which many people are doing in so many different ways. But, you know, we, we've got our own sort of little niche here that, that we're doing quite well. And uh, we really enjoy. Yeah, and I think you mentioned, uh, you already mentioned this, but in your in your history, you, you, you're working as a brand manager and that was at Aston Educational Group. That was also the school that you, you said you uh, sold as well. Yes. So those were in, yeah. I mean, um, uh, we sold, we franchised that, that, that chain. It's a, it's a, um, See, I don't expect any listeners to know what Aston is, but uh, it's, um, it's, it's a school <laughs> chain which is um, it's a medium-sized school chain. So there's about 100 different schools in China, and they've got some places in California as well and, and some other countries like Vietnam and stuff like that. So it's, not a, it's, a, it's a medium-sized organization, um, and it's a foreign-owned organization. It's set up by an American, um, and, but it's in, in many ways, is a very very Chinese organization as well. Um, all, all of the sort of key managers are Chinese, so it was uh, amazing to uh, have the insight to work in their head office for a couple of years in Dalian, and uh, all of their locations are sort of in tier two, tier three cities across China. Uh, they don't do much in Beijing or Shanghai, um, and uh, yeah, just the, the crazy times really. Uh, you know, the the industry itself uh, went through a period of. Uh, amazingly rapid growth and uh, and then that sort of uh, uh-huh. tailed off and, uh, and became more stable um, and then being in a foreign organization that's also mostly Chinese uh, run and that's seen the cultural um, <clears throat> you know miscommunications or the cultural difficulties of having that sort of um, being that bridge between the between the you know the higher level level management and the sort of on the ground management was really really amazing to 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 be involved in and quite crazy at times um but you know i think this time this period in china has actually passed now and things are a bit more stable yeah yeah and that probably prepared you for what you're doing right now which is uh obviously china channel to current business and then you also recently started doing the china tech talk podcast Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. when we when we met at the cross-border summit you just started your podcast. How's that going? Yeah, um, I think it's going quite well. Um, but you know, I don't have many reference points. <laughs> I enjoyed doing it, <laughs> and the goal, the goals we had were um, just to do it as a, as a way to um, broaden our network. That was really the the, the only. I didn't have high expectations from it, but um, it seems we have managed to build a listenership, and um, and it is really interesting doing it and, and fun doing it. So, um, yeah, we our goal is not to make make millions doing doing the podcast. It's it's more to uh, um, just speak to really interesting people, and uh, I think we're achieving that. And um, yeah, and definitely uh, some episodes have been really really welcomed uh, by them we get we get feedback from people so that's great uh, you know we've been able to talk to mobike we've been able to, we're talking to uh, um jbd we're talking to baidu um with you know all the big companies in this space we'll have we'll have them on eventually um and uh, and then people are doing you know very very interesting things. Uh, China. One of the big advantages of being in China, actually, for people like us, is that you're able to get access that you can't get if you were back in your home country. To like to to, yeah. to opportunities and to people that are 
you know, way out of your league, actually. A hundred percent. Yeah, quite amazing. You know, um, I don't think. Uh, it's just. Yeah. I, I think it's just because there's so many. There's so few expats here in comparison to the actual population and the size of the country that it's like one if you if you're talking about meeting somebody that's an expat that's very successful there's a camaraderie uh, in that you're both in china and then when it comes to the local companies they just find it interesting and they want to uh they want to expand you know obviously they want to be global so it's like easier to get into those doors here than it would be anywhere else um yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I've described it across a variety of in, uh, industry verticals where yeah. people have said to me, well, you can come to China and you'll go up the ladder much faster and then uh, you get to a certain level and you can go back. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, a, there's, I've met many people uh, who are taking that strategy. A question off of, just going off of that, when you sit down with like a Mobike, what is the process? And just really quickly, what, how do you reach out to them? Who are you talking to? You know, like who are you actually interviewing from the company? Um, so fortunately with the, with the podcast, um, it's, we, it's us, China channel, um, and, and Technode. So both of us are, uh, well, Technode is a, is, is a sort of traditional, it's not traditional, it's, but it describe themselves as new media, but in my mind, it's sort of traditional. They're, they're a typical media, right? They're a tech media, um, they, they, they produce tons of content and, and, and nearly everyone in the industry will know them, um. For, for for China Channel, we have a we have a blog that's also got a lot of reach, um, but it's more sort of coming from a KOL influencer angle, um, whereas the content's primarily written by me, and we publish maybe once a week or twice a week. But anyway, um, we both have reach. Um, people know us. Um, people uh, we've been doing it for years, and people respect both of our uh, our news sources. So that makes it really easy to open doors. Um, you know, that's that's where uh, I don't think we'd be able to, to get Mobike or get, um, you know, like uh, Baidu or, or JD or, or Tencent people uh, um, to, to come onto the podcast if, um, if if we didn't have that foundation. Um, so that's one thing. And that, that also gives us reach for the readership as well. So that's that's nice, uh, the listenership rather. Um, so, th- you know, that's, that's where it started, the combination there. And then, um, and then it's just a snowball effect, you know, once you've, I think once you know, uh, if for the bigger companies, you need to reach out to their PR. So you got to go through the, the PR gatekeeper, mm-hmm. and uh, even for even for tech media like like you know, you'd think for people like Techno that would be really easy. That everyone knows who they are. They've been in the industry for years and they're well respected. But they get you know, we're, <laughs> it's not that easy sometimes. Basically, <laughs> um, so uh, especially for Chinese. Um, companies, you know, they're they're a bit you know cautious on the on the sort of um, they're still learning how to do PR internationally, right? They're still going through this process, and uh, um, it's quite in, they don't want to be caught on the record saying the wrong thing. So you know, you can you're never gonna you're never gonna get promoted for doing a podcast, right? But you might <laughs> get sacked yeah. for, <laughs> for for being on and saying the wrong thing. So yeah, that's true. It's uh, it's you know, it's um, yeah, they, they they're quite careful. Awesome. So jumping deeper into your actual business, uh, you know, China Channel started in 2015. Um, it's something, it's very unique what you've been able to accomplish with that because I know a lot of people that have tried, uh, you know, marketing in China and trying to understand how WeChat works with regards to business. Um, 
how did you how did you get started like what are the like I, maybe you can explain sort of the basics uh, of of WeChat marketing yeah WeChat marketing is much more difficult than like Facebook for example um, or, or, or you know similar or Amazon or stuff uh, it's in China things move really fast um, it's everyone knows that but when you get involved in sort of mar- online marketing you realize how fast they really move it's like incredibly fast and it's difficult for the Chinese companies to keep up uh, and so as a foreign company it's 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 like doubly difficult um, having said that there's, there's advantages that foreign companies have they they do have um, you know things that they can play off so um you know, how do we get into this was one part of your question was you know from a startup weekend was the thing that inspired me to move into this area uh, was you know uh, I remember clearly being in Chongqing um, years back now and the first time I used a WeChat pay to to buy something in the store yeah and um, uh, it, I remember clearly being at that point in the, it was in a 7-eleven and uh, 7-Eleven was quite new in Chongqing at that time. It was like the, one of the first 7-Elevens. So, so that was good. And then uh, uh, and I was excited about that. And then I was also excited about, oh, you know, WeChat Pay, tried it out. And and I remember clearly thinking, this is a this is a real game changer. This is a real game changer. And uh, there's a couple of other things, you know, around that time. It was just clearly that WeChat was blowing up. It was really blowing up and um, and, and changing life in China like seriously changing life and you think about it WeChat's about six years old now it's uh, six and a half years it's been around uh, it's really hard to imagine life in China without WeChat and uh, that might be sound a little bit of an exaggeration um, <laughs> to people who don't live here they might be like yeah well that guy's true. obviously going to say that because he does WeChat but you know you don't need to ask me just ask Ask anyone Chinese or ask any expat who lives there. I mean, it's uh, it's, it's true. I mean, just even for me, like yeah. I uh, WeChat is part of my daily life. Like if I take a car or I take a taxi, I pay on WeChat. I pay for my lunch on WeChat. I pay my rent on WeChat. You know, there's a, I use it, and then of course, like we have business. Um, we have group chats with factories that we work with. We have an internal company group chat. Most people don't have my f- actual phone number. They have my WeChat account. You know. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. My my SIM card has a problem right now, and so I can't call people, and people can't call me. It's had zero impact on my business. <laughs> <laughs> like nothing. How did um, how did you yeah. get your your first client? Um, we started off in Chongqing, um, you know, trying. To, we were we were doing. We were trying to sell to Chinese clients. Um, you know, in Chongqing, there's very very small local expat community um, it's a, it's a, for those of you who don't know Chongqing it's, it's one of the biggest cities in China um, it's a massive massive inland metropolis on the Yangtze River um, and it's often described as, as, as the biggest city in the world that nobody's ever heard of um, it's how it sometimes gets described um, so it's this massive inland tier 2 mega city but the, the, the sort of foreign community there is tiny like really tiny, and uh, everyone knows each other. So we were, so we really had no choice. We're okay. We're going to try and sell WeChat, you know, marketing services to um, 
bids to the local Chinese companies, but then we quickly found out that was almost impossible. Um, you know, they, the local Chinese they could not get their heads around the idea that why would I buy mark Chinese marketing services from foreigners? That mm-hmm. just doesn't make any idea, any <laughs> sense at all. Um, so we had to move to tier one and um, we moved to Beijing initially and uh, and then things started to kick off and, and uh, we, it was through the media that we started working with our first client, which was Cheers Wines. Um, and um, yeah, so again, it's the power of the having social media having a regular blog um having a having a, a channel there that people follow and respect and you consistently put that push out content that is worth reading mm-hmm. um that is that is pretty difficult to do um but it has massive benefits when you do it over a long period of time so um that's how we got our first client but having said that that's really not what we do right now we quickly learned that we we we're pretty bad at being an agency um, it's not really what we wanted to do, uh, uh, what motivated us. So we, we don't do we don't do the agency business model. Okay. So again, um, just going back to the basics. Like if I if you want to start marketing on WeChat as a foreign company, what do you have to have set up? And I think you touched on like the differences. You mentioned speed. Is is there anything else that people wouldn't know going in? Oh, so there's yeah, there's there's many challenges. Um, the big one is that you typically need a Chinese business license to set up, right? So, mm-hmm. um, it's similar. If you want to set up a website in China, you need an ICP license. Um, if you want to set up a WeChat, on WeChat, you you probably need a WeChat official account. And um, official account, you can think of it roughly like a Facebook page, although it's then you know, yeah, it's kind of like that, but actually it's completely different. But okay, let's just say it's a Facebook page from now on. <laughs> And uh, to get your WeChat Facebook page, you 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 need to have a. So it's a Facebook page that can message you directly. And yeah, acts as one it, of your friends. Right. It's, <laughs> it, it appears in the WeChat timeline like a friend, and it can send messages yep. directly to you once a week like a friend. And uh, you can do payments, and you can do customer service, and yeah, you can do chatbots if you want. You can. There's many many things you can do. It's essentially an app within an app. Um, if you wanna, if you've got some developers on your team and you wanna build and build your app directly within WeChat, then you can you can do that. And um, there's there's plenty of people doing that. In fact, for startups in China, that's mostly what they do. They build for WeChat first. Uh, they don't build apps. They build they build official accounts. Um, but to get your official account set up in, in a way that it can you can do that, you you need to have a, a, some kind of legal entity in mainland China. And and so that's that's the difficult part. That that just just of of the starting blocks, you know, you've got that barrier to entry that um for most people is they're not willing to they don't have that, they're not not willing to set one up just to you know, just to have a, a website here or a WeChat official account here it doesn't make too much sense. Yeah. So that so the way around that would be to use someone else's business license. Um that's totally possible. That's in fact what most people do. Um, it's uh, one business license can open up to 50 different uh, WeChat official accounts. Uh, you can do that quite fast as long as you trust the person you're, you're, you know, you're, who's 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 doing that for you. Um, I think everyone in this. What are what are some of the ne- negatives that could happen in that situation if I used somebody else's business license? Yeah. Um, um, or what? So. It's on both sides, actually. Um, you, you have to have yeah. trust, I think, is, is the key because 
Um, the, the negative on on if, if you were if you're from the from the client's perspective is that um, you, essentially you don't own the official account legally, yeah. right? So um, it could be shut down overnight, and you're powerless to stop that. Um, the risk on the on the on the agency side or the consultant side or whoever you're using um, is that the they are legally responsible for the account. <laughs> so if you publish something that um, gets them in trouble, um, it doesn't matter. You know that they're the ones that are going to get into trouble. Um, if you if you're doing selling anything that you shouldn't be selling, if you're saying anything that you shouldn't be saying. Um, and then they're the ones who are going to uh, have to deal with that, um, and and uh, you know they they so that in China with with the with the regulations here and the sort of political climate that that is uh, that is a risk. Um, there's the WeChat accounts and not not just WeChat, just all across social media and the Chinese internet. You know, things get shut down on a regular basis. And yeah, people. I mean, you don't need me to tell you because the Western media loves all this stuff. They write about it all the time. They can't stop <laughs> writing about it, right? It's just a, yeah, it's the yeah. easiest thing that for them to write about to to get views. It does, you know, it gets exaggerated. To be honest, um, if if I can see how people look at the sort of um, media and the global media and what they write about the Chinese internet space and think, oh my God, this thing sounds so crazy. The government's censoring everything and it's just nuts and things get shut down overnight and how do you operate in such an environment? Well, it's not that bad, to be honest. For most people, they, you know, if you're not doing yeah. anything, you're just selling something, it's it's, it's highly likely that you, you, you'll never have to deal with anything um, it's, it's you know it's that one percent or that naught point naught one percent of people who are doing things on the edge that have to uh, you know have to have to have to watch out. But um, yeah, so there's risk both ways. Um, uh, but essentially, it, it's, it's something that that can be set up quite easily if you're willing to do that. And and it, it, there's there's very very large organisations that that do that. Right, it's not just for the small guys. Um, you know, if I'll give you an example, most of the world's largest soccer clubs, uh, you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, you know, that's what they do when they want to have uh, a WeChat an official account. Is they, they use their agency's business license. Awesome. Uh, you mentioned the like some of the differences in terms of the way people interact with the apps, like the way people interact with WeChat versus uh, Facebook. What about the actual like content of of your advertising? How is that different? compared to doing Facebook ads or anything else that you'd see in like Western social media? Uh, for advertisement, yeah, it works very, very differently. You can pay 10 cents to advertise, but my don't. It's, uh, the options right now are a bit limited. They're not so much uh, suited towards small and medium-sized enterprise. There are options out there, but uh, they're, they're, they're typically... Um, so, uh, right now, the, the area changes very fast, so what I say could be out of date in a couple of months, but right now, yeah. um, the options for, for smaller businesses are sort of skewed towards uh, smaller stores, 
Um, so if you're selling purely online, then uh, it, you can still use it, but it's uh, it's not going to be so suited. Um, most people are using key opinion leaders, right? Because the return on investment will be uh, typically, um, if you can get that right, that that's that's the way to go. Uh, and so using these key opinion leaders or these influencers, um, these essentially what you're doing is you're taking a large WeChat account and you're there, you're piggybacking off them to drive followers and page views to your small WeChat account. And um, and that works quite well if you can get it right. So that's that's something that's quite similar to like uh, Instagram. How do how do you I guess for somebody like you I guess your your company you have you you're able to reach out to those people but how does the average person reach out to the influencers? Yeah, so is it, do you re- do you have a recommendation on a process? For yeah, that? there's there's lots of marketplaces out there um, to to find key opinion leaders. You still need to do do uh, due diligence yep. uh, on them and uh, and make sure that their their followings are real. Um, there's a couple of English language um, marketplaces out there. The one that most people, the one that's m- most famous, is uh, called Park Lou. And I've got a couple of people who are friends who who work Park there. Lou. Uh, and but that's focused on certain vertical industries, so it's more sort of lifestyle, fashion, um, makeup, things like that. Um, it doesn't cover all the, uh, you know, if you're trying to sell uh, electrical goods, it's probably not going to be uh, um, not going to be they're not going to be able to help you. But um, you know, for this sort of influencer economy, which is getting more and more important in China um, uh, as time goes by, and I think that trend is also playing out globally. Right, so we're seeing um, on 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 you know on YouTube, for example, you know huge huge you know, accounts, uh, people building up followings there, um, and and it's people people want to follow other people, um, and the power of having a personal brand and having a, a a following is online is is becoming more and more important, I think. So uh, and, and in China, this this trend is just way way ahead of the rest of the world. Um, you know, if you're looking, if you're into online marketing, if you're into sort of digital marketing, then um, you can look to China as as a window into the future. Um, really, it's, it's um, I read, I'm, I'm, I keep up with a lot of articles about in this area, and the stuff that I'm reading on, you know, for like the trends, I'm not too up to date. You know, my knowledge is heavily skewed towards China, but when I when I do read stuff about, you know. What's going on on the on, on other global platforms, Facebook-owned platforms, for example? I'm like, my my initial reaction is usually, oh, this is like China two years ago, or this is like China four years ago, um, broadly speaking. Um, so, yeah, here it's heavily weighted towards influencer marketing now. Yeah, that's where you're going to get good return on investment. That's where you're going to get. Um, a lot of sales if you can do it in the right way. What about the uh, so with the official WeChat accounts, are allowed to send like a message to users directly once once a week? What are they typically sending in those messages? Like how are they interacting with their 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 uh, followers? Right. So yeah, this is exactly the last point I was, I was uh, mentioning. Right. So I remember reading an article a couple of days ago from some big um, New York Times I think it was or something, I forget they're saying oh you know the future of online is like bl- a blending of content with e-commerce where it's seamless right and this is the trend yeah. and like this trend this is like um, you know this has been around in China for years it's like it's the norm it's it's um, so you send some content on your WeChat official account typically you're sending an article 
that article mm -hmm. when you open it up could be a short video um, or it could be text with pictures um, but it, it's, it's, it's in an article format you open it up and then the, if you're selling something that that sales is embedded you know within the content not naturally so you're you're it might start off with a story it might start off some interesting thing to catch you but then as it goes on at the end it will have some call to action to then go to the store and buy something related to what the article was about and uh, and so this works very very well this sort of like in, in wechat is one click to buy right you're reading an article about a dress oh yeah that looks pretty cool you know uh you know this famous uh, singer is wearing this dress i want that dress okay bam i bought it um it's really like like that that's that's interesting because like um that makes me think when you're talking about china being ahead it makes me think of how it is now where it's like i might go to let's say tim ferris's blog and then i'm reading uh, his recommendation on this latest uh, book that came out and how that's going to help me with systemizing my business and i'm going like oh i want to buy this book and then I have to click on the link and then I'm going to like the Amazon store and then I'm going in, logging into my account and putting in my credit card details where it's like I feel like in, in WeChat it would be opening up that article and then clicking on the QR code and or filling out the card there and it's already connected to my WeChat pay and then I'm not really leaving WeChat at all whereas in the States or in Western uh, marketing like that you're leaving the website going to another place to buy the product and then is that, I feel like there are way more steps involved, you know, it, yeah. with, with the Western process. That's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. That's it. I mean, you've got to reduce steps. You've got to reduce in order to make uh, every every time you reduce friction even a little bit, you're going to see higher conversion. Yeah, and I mean, if you're already uh, um, used to purchasing. In China, the friction. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's another great point. Um, so you don't need to leave WeChat to do all this. Yeah. You can, you can. A friend can share an article on their on their newsfeed. You'll you'll open it, you'll read it, and then there's a there's a click to buy. WeChat pays embedded. So on on an iPhone, you just tap your finger and you've bought it. Yeah. And uh, if it's on something, if it's on a uh, on a ten cent platform like like Dong, for example, then most likely you're your 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 delivery address and your name and your ID number is already filled out a long time ago, uh, and so you don't need to bother with any of that. It really is just like two taps to buy. It's actually I I, I, <laughs> I remember once or twice I was like I was like hang on I was I was actually shocked on what on, on you know because I test all this stuff a lot and uh, I clearly remember when one store I was like hang on like if I tap that do I just is that bought already and i just tapped it and it's like oh i've already bought it <laughs> you know, i was like oh no no i didn't want to buy that like i had to, I had to go back uh, um it was like really so seamless uh, mm -hmm. they had the process down on, on that particular uh, thing that um i actually bought something without even trying um and, and actually wechat has that you know like um if you get um if you use dd which is the sort of chinese uber yeah uh, when you when you, you they, they have a thing set up with WeChat, so you don't need to do anything. You get you you get the yeah, it, it automatically yeah yeah, and it automatically yeah. just takes the money from you. You actually some people don't like it. They're like, oh, I didn't even know. I, 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 you yeah. know, it, it gave me a notification, but I didn't need to like <laughs> tap or put in a didn't have to pink confirm code or it. Anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, it was totally that was, seamless. Yeah, it, that, yeah that, I've been using that. It is a, it's a little bit strange just because. 
you're thinking like if there was a dispute with the driver or something like that that you, that you can't really, you'd have to like get the money back as opposed to logging a complaint before paying but at the same time you know it's, it's not going to stop me from using dd i'm just probably going to get used to it right exactly yeah. um so just as if you if i was starting uh wechat official account tomorrow what would you recommend as like my first few steps just to close out that subject if you're starting up a wechat official account okay well right now you know wechat's super competitive um it's a very mature platform so don't mm-hmm. go in there unless you're in a niche uh, if you're trying to sell fmcg mm-hmm. you know if it, goods you know in which are already very 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 established uh, you're not going to do much you're going to you're going to waste a lot of money um, but if you've got something niche, something that's a little bit, you know, or something that's um, got a unique selling point that's different, then yeah, you can still do a lot on WeChat. Um, so it really depends on your product. Uh, think about that. You know, do your research as you would do on any platform. Find out what your competitors are doing and, and, and find out there. Um, but ultimately, WeChat's a very content-driven platform. So um, and it's and it's something that if you if you're gonna use it well you know you've got to empower a local team i think and that's for all sort of marketing in china um you've got to find a a local team or someone who's chinese to run it it's really really difficult um if you're gonna if you're gonna try and do it by yourself or you're gonna try and do it from your home country if you're not gonna gonna be on the mainland um i'd strongly recommend you know if you're taking it seriously you've got to have a someone local running it what did you say? You said uh, you might waste a lot of money. What would it, what what would people mostly be spending money on once they set up an account? What would where would the money go? Well, um, making content is expensive, right? So if you're hiring a team to do that, if you want to make professional content, whether it's video content, um, you know, mm-hmm. articles that are well designed and well written, original content, um, then yeah, you're going to pay a lot for that typically. Um, and if you're spending it on paying Tencent to 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 do the advertisement, which I mentioned before, I was talking before from the viewpoint of a of a small, you know, sort of entrepreneur basically, or, or someone who's running a smaller business. But if you're a big brand uh, and you've got budget and you just want to do some brand advertising, get some eyeballs, uh, then you can do that on WeChat. Uh, a lot of big brands do do that on WeChat. Um, but it's expensive, and and I'm saying if you're if you're in an area where it's already very very competitive, you know, you you uh, you can waste a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Speaking of content, you've been blogging since day one of your business, and I, we were kind of going through some of the older ones. You were very very frequent. Uh, how is that? How have you? How did you manage to do that early on? And like, how has it changed? How do you interact with your your vlog? What kind of content are you putting out now versus? the beginning um yeah it's changed a lot definitely changed a lot um as as we've matured in the business and our knowledge has, has matured and and uh um and, and the platform's matured so we started off when, when towards the beginning of our business we said okay we're going to do an article i think it was about two years ago or something like that we said we're going to do an article a day for a month and uh, we made that commitment and uh, we saw that commitment through and um, that was really tough. <laughs> that was super tough. And I remember, like a week into it, I was like, "Hang on, did we really do?" We... <laughs> I didn't realize it was going to be this tough. Um, but we did do it. 
Um, we did an article every day for a month, and I think most of the articles were pretty good. And um, at the time, there was just a dearth of information about WeChat. Now there's um, there's there's tons of information about WeChat. Most of it's most of it's pretty poor quality, but there's still tons of information about about WeChat now, whereas there really wasn't two years ago. Um, so we were able to build. That's how we were able to get our traction and, and build our following organically on the WeChat platform, and um, we. Yeah, we sort of broke through the noise, right? So on all social media channels, it's about breaking through the noise and, and getting to that sort of critical mass where you have reach and people uh, and you're established. Uh, and then once you've got that, things become a lot easier. But if when you're starting from zero, it's really tough, right? So um, yeah. getting from zero to your first few thousand followers on WeChat is by far the most difficult part. And... Um, and so that's what that's what did it for us was was making that commitment of saying we're just gonna every day for this month produce one quality piece of of, of content and put it out there, and um, people loved it. Yeah, they loved it. I think you can still do that on WeChat. You know, if you if you wanna um, if you wanna make that kind of commitment, but it's um, you, you have to have a clear strategy. Yeah, I think we did. We had a clear strategy at the time, so it worked. So then, uh, going speaking of the content. Uh, I, I follow your WeChat account and I noticed like obviously I'm reading the articles in your WeChat and then I went to your website and I saw some of the same articles. So what is your process when you're writing a blog post? Are you writing it do you ha I guess are you thinking of WeChat as you're writing it? Are you writing it just the way you normally write it for your website and then you have to reformat it for WeChat? Like how does how does that work? Yeah, WeChat works very, very differently from uh, from from the open web. Uh, the open web, um, you essentially need to uh, pander to Google, right? You've got to, you've got to make sure that Google loves you, and uh, and, and and do everything you can to to uh, to, to get uh, Google to send more people to your website. Um, so, uh, but uh, what works on so what works there? What works for Google and what works for for WeChat? There there is a lot of differences, and so we will take content, we will mirror it over. Um, typically, we write content for WeChat first, but that's kind of um, that's also changed over time. I think we we don't write now for any specific platform in mind. We just write content we think is is really good quality, and we're moving a lot more into reports. So for us, you know, we uh, we're moving into research and reports um, more now, and um, they they take a lot more time to do. But uh, I think you end up with something that can um, add a lot more value to people and get a lot more results. Um, so, um, but to the point, how do you how do you actually um, how do how do we make content differently for the website compared to WeChat? Yeah, um, how do you how do you reformat? Um, yeah. You know, there's lots of different things on WeChat. You you will the title is really 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 important, and you've got to make sure the title is kind of clickbait title. Um, they're the ones that do well. Um, you've got to make it so it's we, we do our stuff so it's quite visual, and um, that helps a lot because uh, WeChat's quite a um, is a platform where people don't have too much time, and uh, it's quite a different experience from uh, people sitting down on their laptop and going to your website. So you need to make sure the content isn't too long, um, and it's and it's 
quite we, we do visual style so that works really well you could do video as well that works really well but just having plain text um yeah it's kind of boring people don't really want to just read text uh, your text has to be really really good you know before people will actually um, uh, it, you have to have a good name like a, a solid account or just some amazing content for, for people to really care about text now um, I think and that, you know, again a lot of these trends are, are trends that are uh, are not just specific for WeChat. I think globally, when we look at things, you know, Facebook is all about video now. It's all about, um, it's just so heavily weighted towards video. Um, and, uh, yeah. and, and and that's because... Snapchat, the, Instagram. Right. And the technology is there now. The bandwidth is there. Uh, the mobile phone is able to take it, you know, and, and the networks are able to take it. You're able to stream video um, uninterrupted um, while you're out side on on, on um, network plans where it doesn't cost you a fortune uh, and that wasn't the case uh-huh. three three years ago right or at least it wasn't yeah, the case people in China. are literally watching tv shows while walking down the street yeah right i mean <laughs> at least I, I i think it's reached the point now where people are happy on their 4g plan um you know this is what i see in china that people are happy on their 4g plan to stream yeah like you say stream tv and stream um Maybe um, a, a live stream show or, or, or some uh, esports thing or whatever, um, and that certainly wasn't the case a couple of years ago here. Um, so that's a huge change, and so the, the the habits of people on the platforms are evolving with the technology, and what we produce as content producers needs to evolve with that. Uh, for the niche that we're going, I don't think video is is. Uh, is too appropriate. I mean, we—I don't do anything in video right now, but I would, it's not because we're not open for it. I just don't think it's the right format uh, yet. Um, but we are quite visual, and we do a lot of infographics and things like that, and that works really, really well. Um, so it's, it's interesting. I, I think I think about this a lot, and I think it's super interesting how, as the internet evolves, so does the formats that people use to consume content. And then, as businesses, we need to adapt what we produce uh, and different formats suit different people and it suit different um, you know different organizations you know if you're if you're really really confident and good looking and like talking um, then video is fantastic and, and you can build up a large following there but maybe um, if you if, 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 if you're just really good at writing you know you can just churn out articles really fast really high quality and have very clear thinking that adds value to people you know that's going to be your format and then what we're doing right now podcast right so audio if you've got a great voice you know my voice is not fantastic but it's okay it's good enough um uh, i I, doing fine i can uh, you know um but you know i'm in an industry that's that is one of the toughest things about starting a podcast is just constantly listening right 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 yeah i've kind uh, of got used to to get used to yeah yeah um Yep. Where before I used to hate listening to my voice, but now through time I kind of okay I've yeah got dulled to that sensation of hatred and and just accept it for what it is I guess. But um, yeah, if if you know a lot of expats in China, for example, they are they English is not their native language, right? So if you're from 
um, if you're from Germany or France, you know, I'm from London, I'm European, I still think of myself as European, even after Brexit. But, uh, <laughs> you know, a, a lot of my friends are like, um, you know, from other parts of Europe. And for them doing doing a sort of like podcast would, would, would not be so so good because their accent's quite strong. And uh, they're, they're incredibly intelligent people and uh, they run great businesses. But then they're hampered in this particular format audio because of that reason yeah. so you know that I, I think that's super super interesting uh, and for wechat you know there's a lot of small little tweaks that 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 uh, you need to make in order to fit that particular format you know like coloring text like breaking it out with pictures um and 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 having having a title that would be a little bit more sort of attention grabbing than you would usually expect on on on, on the open web uh, and things like that, that just really because of the medium last question before we jump into the the closing questions um how how do you how do you think people would interact with podcasts through wechat i know podcasts in general in china aren't aren't, aren't as popular yeah, as, so as the rest of the world but i'm just wondering about audio they're not they're not podcasts in China are not that popular at all, yeah. and um, a lot of people have been asking why that is, and it's quite interesting about the consumption habits of Chinese and how they, um, you know, their reading habits are also very very different, um, and uh, and how you know live stream for example here has become so much more popular than it was. It started off in the states and it didn't really go anywhere, and now it became huge in China. So there's all these differences of how people the formats that people. Uh, find interesting and engaging in China are uh, slightly different from from other parts of the world. Um, why don't Chinese listen to that many podcasts? I I don't know. Mm. Um, I think it's it's uh, there's probably a variety of factors. One is probably it's, it's not being pushed very hard from uh, by by any of the big players in the market. Um, and then the dynamics of society, people lead busy lives and, and Chinese China is a noisy place so there's always a lot of background noise it doesn't really lend itself to, to that much to just a pure audio format I think also Chinese are very visual people so um, you know they like to be yeah quite j- just listening quite to honestly these, I don't these. see as many people in China walking around with headphones as I do outside of China like I, right. I, I right. don't see that exactly. even in my in my office like I, me and you know Marcello we, we work with headphones and uh, there's maybe one or two other people in the office that use headphones and then everybody else is just like working sitting at their computer they don't they don't necessarily feel the need to have headphones on all day you know um, okay so jumping into the closing questions just really uh, you can give very short answers if you want because I know you have to you have to leave but what is your proudest entrepreneurial moment to date I think the, the the big event we did last year was pretty cool. We did this. We we have this annual event called Chat, and we do it in Shanghai. And we, we're setting up for for this year again, and that was pretty big success. And so, I never did an event on that scale. It was like two days with like eight different workshops and after parties, VIP dinners, and stuff. And it was um, we kind of got ourselves in the deep end with that without realizing what it was actually going to you know be like to organize something like that and not being professional event organizers at all um but having done a lot of small events and um and it worked out it was really a, a big success and uh so that was 
that that was cool. But we didn't really, if you speak to event organizers, I think they all say the same thing, is that you don't actually really get to enjoy it in the moment because you're so stressed. Uh, and and everyone else is having a great time, but you're there like worrying about small details and stuff um, because there's, it, it just it's, yeah, it just constantly true. comes up. So, um, But looking back on it, I think it was pretty cool. When I look at the photos, I'm like, oh, wow, we, we actually did that. That was, that was like really quite impressive. We should link that up in the show notes. Uh, and you're married. How are you balancing your work grind and, and family life as an entrepreneur? Oh, yeah, it's very difficult, I think, to, to, to get that balance correct. And um, I'm a bit of a workaholic. Um, and I'm also, um, you know, I, I like the freedom of being an entrepreneur and having that freedom to, to um, make decisions and just run with it and work on the fly. And um, I'm always running around doing um, presentations and trainings. So um, I travel a lot and, and that's, that's yeah, I, I like traveling um, and, and, and seeing new places is awesome. So that, that, that freedom is really, really fantastic. And it's actually be quite difficult for me to go back from that um, into something that would be a nine to five where I'm, you know, more traditional work. I think the, the, the world is going that way as well, right? Like, um, I think the internet is enabling businesses that which weren't possible before and um, more sort of traditional jobs are, are being replaced by technology and so I think as a transhumanity we're, we're all going to have to learn to work more flexibly and you know work, whether that's working from home or whether that's you know being an entrepreneur or, or whatever it is um, so but it is it, true when you, with that is also the responsibility to motivate yourself and to push yourself um, constantly because you are you are your boss and you have a team as well but ultimately you're in charge in many ways so um, you have to you, you, the, the energy has to come from you has to come from within and and that's that's uh, I struggle with that sometimes you know constantly um, you know you go through highs and lows on this entrepreneurial journey journey right. And um, when you're when you're at a low, and you really only have yourself to 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 pull to pull yourself, you you have to pull yourself up. Um, yeah, that that can be tough sometimes, but uh, somehow we always manage to do it and uh, and move on. So, um, but then it's, it's it is it is challenging. Yeah, for sure. Smallest thing you've done that's brought you the largest results in your business. Um. Smallest thing we've done is put the largest results. Uh, damn, uh, nothing comes up to mind. Um, I guess is it is it con- sounds to me like content content creation. Yeah, but I wouldn't call it a small thing because it, we started when we started out. We did that campaign of one article a month, and it was actually quite a big thing from the beginning. And we were straight away like, oh. I guess you could say the podcast, really. Uh, maybe, maybe that's for it. like it's, because okay. I didn't, you know, uh, Technode approached me to do it, and I, it wasn't my idea. I didn't think much of it at the beginning. Um, I was like, okay, yeah, I've kind of had an idea that this could be something I wanted to do for a, for a while. But and then and then they said, you know, Matthew, do you want to do it? And we think you you know, China Channel is the right partner for us, and we're like, okay, well, yeah, right, and it's sort of didn't think it would be that that big a thing and i guess it's not that big a thing right now but it is growing and it's grown into something that's uh bigger than i expected 
so and and and, and it certainly doesn't feel like work the whole thing feels like very enjoyable it's like we're both there like okay who are we going to find this week to, you know we can do this <laughs> and like yeah we could get that company and it's like yeah that would be so cool and then we actually get them and then uh you know get them to talk about this crazy new thing that's happening or, or, or this thing that we're really interested in to do with the chinese internet and uh, uh and so it's it's really like doing something that you, you really enjoy so that's fantastic mm-hmm. uh if someone were to understand you better what three books should they read um, sorry, say again. If they want to understand me better, what books should they read? Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, I don't read that many books as much as I should. I read a lot of articles. Um, I wouldn't say there's any books that define me. You could you could recommend an article or a like a blog, book, or podcast. That's fine. Ah, uh, I've nothing comes to my I can, we, <laughs> my answer for this is awful, isn't it? Um, no, I mean this is exactly it, right? People always have on their like profiles, oh, you know, like this is the book that defined yeah. me, or this is the quote that, like, this is my <laughs> quote. Live your life in this way, blah blah blah. I don't really have that. Like, does that make me a terrible person? Yeah. I don't know. Like, uh, no, that's right. Um, you know. Yeah, I do read books. Um, I've read, read read lots of good books, but none of them. My mind goes blank if you pop up if you say, ask me to say a book that that's really uh, defines who I am or and I can recommend to people as like the book. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Could also just be like books that books that you like or anything like that. Doesn't have to be the book, you know. I think there's um, like classics like. Um, how to win friends and influence people i think that book is like really good uh, it's uh it's um really like cheesy <laughs> but um it's a classic for a reason um and i've i've found i've in my life i've come back to that book a couple of times and managed to find value in it so so maybe that one because i constantly have yeah i think there's a lot of life lessons in that book and uh, it's like written in the I don't know, 40s, 50s, or maybe even earlier, I forget. But the examples seem like so old. Um, and in, especially in this internet age, it's like um, you'd be surprised that they it would be able to, you'd be able to relate to it. But uh, I think you can. Um, there's, the, there's that book, The Laws of Power um, by Robert Greene. For, 48, 48 Laws. laws. 48 yeah, laws that was fantastic. Yep. I remember reading that um, years ago and thinking like that was one of the best books I ever read. So maybe that one. I love the book as well. When you were talking about how to win friends and influence people, I was thinking about uh, Think and Grow Rich. Uh, it's kind of similar. It's such an old book, but it's so relevant today. Uh, even though the examples are very old and it's like, you know, they're talking about things from a hundred years ago, but it's, it's interesting to see. And also it's inter- interesting to see how the modern books were influenced by those ones. You know, um, top three apps that you use every day. Final question. Ooh. Uh, chat would probably be number one. And then, <laughs> I was yeah, expecting un- that. unsurprisingly, <laughs> and then, on a daily basis, uh, and there's a wide variety of apps I use. They're all Chinese. I mean, I can talk about Chinese apps for hours and hours. Um, top three, probably I mean, Alipay, obviously, is uh, is uh, 
you know the the other big big app that everyone uses you know alipay qq and, and wechat are the big three in china um but okay uh, I don't use QQ that much. Um, I use. Uh, I'm, I'm quite. I'm quite intrigued by this app, Kwai Show. Um, it's called Kwai in English, and uh, it's like a video streaming app that is uh, really, really popular in lower tier cities in China. And um, it's just full of random videos of people who, you know, eating strange things or just dancing in strange places uh, and doing stupid comedy stuff or, or whatever. And most of it is just so so lame and so crap and so like well it's like very very real it's it's a very mm-hmm. it's a very um real picture of 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 uh like sort of inland china and sort of once you step outside of these bubbles of of, of beijing and shanghai and, and to some degree shenzhen um you go into the real china the china that's you know the weather where the billion plus people actually you know live their lives and and uh, that huge market that everyone's trying to tap into, and and then you realise, you know, these people are completely different from from uh, from uh, in the more developed places, and uh, yeah, so it's it's a window into that world. I find that I find that um, that app quite fascinating, and um, awesome. How do you spell that? Um, yeah, Kuaishou in Chinese, but it's in the English language one. It's K- just Kuai K W A I K U I. K-W-A-I. K-W-A-I. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right, Matthew. Uh, if people want to reach out to you, how can they get in, cu- get in touch? Oh, uh, um, I'm pretty active on uh, on WeChat, obviously. Um, and um, we have the WeChat official account. Uh, but the best place to reach me is probably a, something like a, directly through the website, chinachannel.co, um, or on Twitter. Um, or on LinkedIn, I'm um, I'm pretty active on 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 LinkedIn as well, and we can put those in the show awesome. notes, right? Thanks. Or something like that, I think. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Yep, it's going to be in the show notes. Awesome, Matthew. Thanks, thanks. I think this was a great episode. Like I've been wanting to talk to somebody about WeChat marketing and marketing in China for a while, so it was definitely very educational for me, and I, I think the listeners are going to enjoy it a lot. So thanks for taking the time. Yeah, my pleasure. My uh, my pleasure. Enrico, it's been it's been a been a good old chat, and uh, yeah, I think we only really brushed like the uh, tip of the iceberg really with WeChat marketing. It's it's a deep topic. Uh, you know, when we do <laughs> yeah. trainings on that, yeah. we do like full day trainings, and then and we're still just uh, you know going over the basics essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I hundred percent. I mean, there's so much more to learn. Uh, it's a good it's a good start. It'll definitely be following your content and, and your journey moving forward as well so cool well all right cheers i got broads in atlanta she's a dolly in the family credit cards in the scams hitting the licks in the van legacies family wait and see look like a panda going out like a montana honey killers on the hands legacies family wait and see pockets will Danny, selling ball, candy Man, I'm the macho like Randy The chopper go out to for granted This nigga bullet, you bandit Hope the killers understand it I got broads in Atlanta Twisted to be in the family Credit cards and the scammers Hitting the leaks in the van Legacy, family Why is it look like a panda? Going out like a Montana Honey killers on the hammers Legacy, family Why is it, Danny Packers for 
Sad about candy. Man, I'm the macho like Randy. The chopper go out to the ground. This nigga pull out your pants.